Welcome to True Detective Weekly on the Idle Thumbs Network. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Sean Vanneman. And I'm Jake Rodkin. Uh, this week we are kicking off this podcast by just discussing uh, the entire first season of True Detective, uh, which, as you know, concluded last year. Uh, we're getting ready to start season two. And because of the format of True Detective, which is kind of an anthology crime show where there's a new um, a new story and a new set of characters each season, we kind of just wanted to get our thoughts on tape about season one so we can – because you know, we don't know what the kind of thematic connections are, are going to be between the two, if any. I and we all really liked season one, I think. Yes, we did. And we which don't even is, know if we're all going to like season two. Exactly. Which could be interesting. Yeah. there's It's a much bigger question mark than it would be for most television shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, season one came out. When did it come out last year? You know exactly. It was in the heart of the McConaissance. That is something what? I know. The Matthew McConaughey Renaissance. <laughs> That's true. The McConaissance. Yes. Actually, and that was something. So I rewatched the entire show last week just in preparation for this episode. And that was actually something that was a little harder for me to take the second time through right. because now it has become – he is now he did all those Lincoln ads. Like he's, the Lincoln ads he's is the thing really that really set, like yeah. – yeah. there's, a, there's a shot in the show that is basically a Lincoln ad with just him and his right hand over the wheel kind mm-hmm. of at three-quarters view, just kind of staring into the distance. Right. And it just – that is just where those ads came from. And, <laughs> the horizon. Yeah. and Place the, you can always uh, chase. True Detective, <laughs> just so you guys – to remind you guys, it actually aired at the very beginning of 2014. It aired January through March. Okay. So mm. there you go. Uh, so the, the degree to which McConaughey has sort of settled into this version of himself became so, um, like, assertive, you know, to my mm-hmm. view, like, into my viewing of True Detective that it almost became a dis- slight distraction. That actually lessened as the season went on because it, they really front load all of his really forward philosophical musings. That mm-hmm. stuff is much is you know earlier on in the episode, in the season that stuff is much more at the fore and then as it goes on they really settle into the investigation part of it. Um, that stuff I, I thought was just great, just fantastic. So, what are the things? We'll start with Jake that you actually like about this series. Uh, first, we have to just cap off the the, the Matthew the, the Connaissance. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Is, that, is, that, is that book ended with Dallas Buyers Club and Interstellar, basically? Oh, is that oh hold on. It's more than that. It's Mud. It's Mud, Dallas Buyers Club, uh, an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Along with Emmy consideration for True Detective, all the things that happen inside of True Detective, and then yes, capped off Interst- with Interstellar and a series of Lincoln ads yep. that um, bundled up his his uh, smoky <laughs> uh, musings. No, I, I guess, okay, yeah, that is all, that is all accurate. Um, I guess for me, man, True Detective, I, when I heard that it existed at the beginning of season one, I immediately thought that the name was amazing because it's evocative of just like old pulpy detective serials. Like it just, it, True Detective seems like the name, probably there is a thing called True Detective, of just a publication that you'd get Every couple of months, they would have a bunch of just very strange detective short stories written by a bunch of unnamed, underpaid authors. Like it seems like the sort of same sort of place that I got magazines like that when I was a kid. Yeah, I, ha- I had one of those for crime things and one of those for for like science fiction, like old school science fiction. Really? It had a lot of Asimov stories in it. Yeah, you're 30 years old. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's amazing. I can't think. Of... Those always to me seem like a product of the 50s. Or but I didn't yeah. know that as a kid. 
Yeah, of course not. I had no yeah. way of knowing yeah, anything. I think that yeah. it feels like the eight, like the it's early true. '80s yeah. is probably the last time one would be able to get those before they would just entirely go out of business, and then ultimately, no matter what, they're going to get replaced by the internet. But um, I just, I don't know. I just the entirety of what True Detective season one was. I really personally enjoyed. I liked that it mm-hmm. that it was so just character focused above the fact that there was a crime that was being investigated. But I really liked that that it also still, you know, followed the rules of a really interesting and twisted up mystery show. And I liked the exact level to which it sort of delved into the weird sort of pulpy stuff with the uh, occult kind of stuff. Yeah. With the occult stuff, with the references to, to, to the yellow King and all that stuff. Like it feels like, and Carcosa, whatever, all those, that, that stuff that actually is straight up references to weird sort of like peer with HP Lovecraft. I think, uh, the yellow King is actually is a, a book that I read that reads just like an even more, uh, racist and hateful HP Lovecraft. Um, but like it, that stuff, yeah, it just, it just comes in enough to get completely to just sort of weird people out, but not dominate the show. I don't know. It's just, well, it, there's, it definitely is in the tradition of a certain kind of Southern Gothic writing that is concerned with uh, darkness and the, the you know, murkiness and this sense of impen- almost – this show feels like pre-apocalyptic to me. This show – everything about this show feels as though everything in both the macro scale of the world through the kind of – intermediary of society down to the micro level of these characters personal lives is just on an inevitable slow course to complete doom and there's some i thought the show handled that really well um always kind of teasing the possibility that maybe there's something actually literally occult going on but um but obviously there isn't. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, there, well, there is, but nothing supernatural is happening. And I love the way the show flirts with that. I thought it was really, really compelling and very, um, uh, seductive. Um, the, to quickly to, I want to touch on my McConaughey thing a little bit. Um, I actually don't take issue with a lot. Like I basically like that character, but the thing about it to clarify what bothered me watching it, especially second time through is that is how much he is, sort of portrayed as the only person with integrity. Like he never gets anything wrong. Like all of his hunches are correct. Like he's always the person who has the most righteous thing to say, even in his self-destructiveness, he's portrayed as the only person who is honest and self-aware. Um, you know, you have the, well, like his self-destructiveness is still like, uh, anchored or like rooted in a really like an attractive, attractive brooding male yeah. kind of he lost like, his wife. Right? Exa- yeah. yeah. So his, like, no, his, his, his kid, his kid. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and that's, yeah, he lost his kid and therefore he and his wife split. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, that's something that's outside of his control and is a burden that he carries. Right. And therefore he, is it, even though he's like just in this drunken drug induced spiral where he's treats everyone like shit, it's all, okay because we empathize with his right, yes. a loss that we could never yeah. Exa- exactly you know. right he doesn't do anything wrong he's he is kind of above all of this yeah. and like to the extent that his life is bad it's because of a combination of bad things that have happened to him as well as because of his heightened understanding of the world that other people do not possess 
Yeah. Um, and that I graded on me a little bit, just like the degree to which he is such like the perfect person in this world, because both like the kind of um, we are the show sort of posits that there is no uh, g- correct way to live except for that, because the sort of the show positions the family man and the kind of traditional life as being basically one of hypocrisy and, you know, like deceit. Uh, and then the, um, you know, the, the McConaughey version of it is basically lonely and, um, you know, uh, all too aware of what's going on. And then the, you know, people in power are inevitably venal and, uh, not, and corrupt. And, you know, the, the show doesn't really offer a, like, this is the way to live. Like, the, you know, right. with, not that it's it's job to, but man, it was bleak. And in a way, it was kind of impressive to see something on television that was that bleak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, like, I'm, you know, so I'm ambivalent about it, right? There are things about it with respect to the McConaughey character that I think are a little bit cheap. But there are also things that I'm just kind of impressed by. Like, I'm just impressed that they, you know, the I guess the, the showrunner, Nick Pizzolatto, just ran with that so far and it makes me that really makes me wonder what is season two going to be is it just going to be another thesis of like this is how terrible everything is can you do that twice in a row uh, when you said he ran with it i can only imagine that he in that is matthew mcconaughey and the it was the camera that followed him for 10 minutes as he ran through that building oh my god he did run all the way through that neighborhood. that's true that was the low point of the season for me really yes oh Yes. That wasn't the low point of the season. For me. I mean, it was an incredible virtuosic piece of filmmaking, but I, it, but it, to me, it felt totally incidental to everything else that was going oh, on. Oh man. In the, in I, I kind of disagree because oh, the yeah, thing that I like the most about, uh, the thing that I find the most attractive about true detective, um, is none of the sh- stuff that you guys have kind of said is actually just like its ability to create place. Like I love the way oh, that's what this I was, Christ- that was part of what I was trying to get at with this, the Southern Gothic kind of sense of doom. Yeah. Thing. I think of that as more of like a thematic milieu and more like the sense of place being like what it feels like to be here in okay. this location mm-hmm. between the, uh, the cinematography, this, the narrative and, um, and just the, the directorial choices, like all of that, felt so good to me so when that scene where he's running through um basically like low-income housing i guess Mm -hmm. and how cramped and chaotic Mm -hmm. and um like a pressure cooker it felt felt so well executed upon the same way that these long stretches of like gabliston bayou would feel when mm-hmm. they would be driving and the cameras in like the bottom third and the re- like the top two third of the frame is mm-hmm. just flat right. and hot mm-hmm. and buzzing cicadas and shit. Like, yeah. oh God. Like, so, and I could watch that stuff in that show for like ever. <laughs> like there's just no, I have no, mm-hmm. no upper limit of how much of that I could handle. So I, I actually totally agree with you. And I, I, I think all that stuff is very strong. I just, but, but like, the placement of that particular mm-hmm. thing, like that episode just felt like kind of a dead end to me. Mm. It's like, he does this whole incredibly like big intricate thing. And like, ultimately what is it like? That's kind of how I feel about the whole show. Like in terms of like 
the plot and the characters. They're all just sort of like enigmatic vessels to get me to these places. And that's what I appreciate about the show. I don't think that's like what the show is intending to do. And I don't think that's what makes mm-hmm. the show good. And I don't think that's what makes the show like, like worthy of positive criticism. Mm-hmm. It's simply just like, for me, what I like, it'd be like going to like a really fancy Thanksgiving dinner just so I could like, just have like a gallon of gravy <laughs> just like as much gravy sure. just like oh cool i could put gravy on this turkey mm-hmm. i can like that's the gravy is like all of the cinematic mm-hmm. um portrayal of these places mm-hmm. that's know? fair to me it's still to me it didn't quite it didn't quite fit but i totally know what you're talking about right and that's that's totally fair i think actually one thing that especially given what you're talking about that'll be interesting to discuss in season two is that a lot of what you're talking about it's always hard to know, especially in a television series, you know, where they're like, which are all made very differently from one another. Um, it's tough to know who this whose responsibility this is exactly. But I suspect a lot of what you're talking about in terms of the cinematography, sense of place, the directorial touches. I think a lot of that probably comes from the actual director himself, who was the same who directed the entire mm-hmm. season, which is very unusual on television. Directed and wrote. No, uh, Nick Pizzolatto wrote nope. it. Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick Kerry is, is it yeah. like Fujikana. Oh, I can't. Yeah, he's a Japanese guy. Yes. Yes. Uh, and he, he was totally the, 100% yeah, right. Fukunaja. Fukunaja, sorry. Yeah. He was a director and he is actually largely by trade a cinematographer. Right. I knew and that. I think that yeah. that really contributed to season two has a bunch of different uh, directors. Now right. we're fucked. <laughs> well, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. That's no, why I'm so upset. That's why Sean, I think that your like Where, yeah. your what you got out of it is going to be very interesting to compare with season right. two because I oh. because you know it's a different take. Oh, I know. I'm really worried. I'm really. I have Mike. This is my concern, dude. <laughs> like I am. I am concerned. Uh, the Jake, first, you know the where, first two where, episodes are directed by uh, Justin Lin, who directed, like, the oh. back half of The Fast and the Furious, yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. And, and then, then, like, and then uh, Better Luck Tomorrow. Then, yeah, Better Luck Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it's, uh, there's a couple other directors announced, but it's uh, it's a mix after after his first two episodes. And it is all written, as you said by last Nick week, Pazzolato. by Nick Pazzolato. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know anything about season two other than, oh, I do want to talk about that. The teaser trailer and the mm-hmm. real, real, the actual trailer, where... And my brain is not letting me lock on to um, a landmark or something inside of those that lets me know where this is set. Is it set in Los Angeles? I'm or- nearly positive it's in Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, because they, they show it's so much just like desert and intermingled freeways is the imagery that they're fixing on so hard for season two that it's like it just looks like it's all sort of in the weird free like the connective tissue of Southern California is, the, is sort of the way the imagery reads to me. But maybe that's not true. Uh, it's kind of disappointing it to me. I've, really, was that? I mean, I, this is this is all through a very selfish lens of Sean Vanaman <laughs> here, by the way. Sure. This is like not like again. This well, is not you've critical. lived there. Yeah, it's like I've been there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and also, I do feel like Southern California is is been romanticized and warped and represented and re-represented and repackaged and packaged up so many times in in film. But like it's going to be hard to do anything well, particularly unique. Maybe not impossible. Here, no, well, certainly not impossible. Yeah. But so here's here's like a I don't know a thought. Um, I don't really know. I don't think Los Angeles has been done in film and television all that much in the way that it is done in, for example, Thomas Pynchon. You know, like. The, the Los Angeles of Thomas mm, Pynchon, yeah. to me, has a lot in common with the Louisiana of True Detective Season 1 in the sense that, like, 
you know, what I said earlier of being like feeling almost pre-apocalyptic. Like there's something about this society that in its lack of self-awareness is heading towards something inevitably terrible. And that, I don't know if that, like that is not something that I. A little bit in collateral, but just a, just a taste Mm -hmm. or like Mm -hmm. heat. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Mann, I feel like, is on that tip, but hasn't really execu- but I think, hasn't really had a script th- that yeah. did that. Yeah. Also, I think Michael Mann's style is going to be different to what this is, at least oh, different completely. to what yeah. True Detective Season 1 was. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm, like, very, very curious. Um, Man, I was basically in love with the teaser trailer they put out for this show huh. because – I mean, it kind of gets you mean for I season mean, two for season two, not to like be a broken record about what no, I like okay. about the show, but it felt like such a confident use of an opportunity that most shows don't have where they said, look, if we put the true dete- detective name on this and we pick music that makes you feel like what it feels like, what this season is going to feel like, we don't really have to do anything else other than show you imagery. Right. And so much I get so much joy. Well, that's out my of, favorite kind of trailer. In general. Yeah, we get some. I get so much joy out of the out of imagery, uh, the imagery of True Detective, that it just felt confident and like provocative, and I was really really happy that that's the way that they went with the trailer. And I mean, they didn't even go that far, like beyond with trailer two. Like, I didn't think the second trailer was like particularly like bad or anything, but um, it definitely felt more like well. We have to actually sell this show on what it is, which I don't even know if you have to. But I, I think don't know. that I think that they have a they have a little more leeway than some. Their first sh- their first yeah. season was such a phenomenon. Given the success of the first season and the fact that it is just HBO and they can do whatever yeah. they want, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Jake. It's the way it's well. What you're saying about the marketing is also often the way that like the Cohen brothers or PT Anderson or people who are really known to be sort of visually rich stylists can can who also still have character centric stuff can market their movies because. Like Chris said, with True Detective, just because of the precedent, you know what these are going to be tied up with. Um, I just did a really quick look uh, about the locations of True Detective Season 2 just to make sure that we weren't totally lying. And we were only half lying, <laughs> at least at least as of last May. Um, I, I found an interview with Pizzolatto where he says that he confirms a set in California, um, but he straight up says, not Los Angeles, but some of the much lesser known venues of California. And we're going to try to capture a certain huh. psychosphere ambience of the place, much like we did with season one. Um, so huh. apparently... Well, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, I'm fine with apparently that. Apparently it's, it's like, the, uh, who knows Rancho where the story Kukumanga. actually led. <laughs> yeah, who, who knows Oxnard. where it actually uh, is said in the moment. I hope it's Oxnard. You know what's funny, though? So, um, J- 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 Jerem, Jason Lin? Who's the director again? Gosh. Justin. Justin Lin. So Justin Lin is from... Um, I believe Fullerton or Brea, which is in uh, yeah. Orange County. And that's and, where um, Better Luck Tomorrow is set. Yeah, and that's where Better Luck Tomorrow is set, which is a great movie, by the way. Oh, it's, it has its moments. But, I mean, it's a, a very interesting film that is set about, uh, it's like high school, but from like uh, like Asian families and uh, this... Asian Americans. Asi- yeah, like Asian Americans in high school and the pressures and sort of... But, and like cultural cliques and um, gangs and things like that set in Orange County in the early 2000s. It's really cool. Nice. Um, yeah. So maybe that has something to do in terms of his like knowledge of that place and what it feels like to be there. That should, that's actually a pretty interesting pairing. So maybe hmm, that's cool, really cool. Yeah. 
the fact that it's not just going to be another long shot of Wilshire Boulevard or whatever, you know. Like, yeah, you just you just hope that if they're shooting in LA, they just don't use the same sets of streets that like every LA based procedural detective show shoots. Yeah, in, is kind of my hope. Huh. Uh, I like that. Um, anyway, that's oh, wow. oh, how do you guys feel about the cast of season two? Just in terms of the casting choices that you've like these actors. You don't know anything about their roles yet, obviously, but do you like these actors? I don't, have a, strong, I don't have a strong so, opinion. Yeah, it's honestly. less exciting to me, just completely devoid of context, than when I heard the cast of the first season. So you thought but, Harrels- Woody Harrelson, Matthew McConaughey, and I cannot remember who played Harrelson's. Th- those were the two people who were announced, and that was just such an odd pairing for a for a TV show called True Detective that I was like, okay, there's you with know that key art gonna too, be man. Yeah, I was like, just the- there's going to be something there with whatever this is. This In a ca- way that now it's like, I mean, this cast is is interesting, but this is more like, okay, show me what this is because I can't understand with this collection of people, like why they're intriguing to you. So it's just, I mean, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson is just like, okay, this is two weirdos, but it's two very different weirdos and you're sticking them mm-hmm. in a police car together. Like not as like a buddy cop thing, but you can just immediately be like, there's just like the point of that is apparent on its face. Yeah, and they hit it hard is not. Yeah. episode one. Yeah. And the three, like, three main actors are Rachel McAdams, Colin Farrell, Vince Vaughn in this. I'm trying to think if there's anybody who's jumped out in the trailer who's a big name who I'm not thinking of. They're the three that get the big posters, though, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm stoked that Rachel McAdams is in it. She's awesome. And I liked it. Like, it would be cool to see her in that type of role. But I agree with you, Jake, in that, like, I've seen... Colin Farrell in a lot of movies like it doesn't seem like a huge jump for him bigger much bigger jump for Vince Vaughn but it doesn't this doesn't seem like a huge jump for Colin Farrell it'll be interesting to see how he's used yeah. oh the fourth top build name is Taylor Kitsch oh of course oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. dream Friday Night Lights yeah that's pretty cool um that's maybe the most interesting yeah same of the four same because he's the only one who's not a top build film actor. Wasn't he in, um, he was in battleship. He was in battleship. <laughs> He's not the guy from, uh, uh, good pull from Mars, Mars. John, John, I don't know what you're asking. Me. Mars. Are you saying John Carter, <laughs> John Mars? Carter. Yes. Oh. That's not Taylor Kitsch, is it? I don't know. Or is it that movie? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, nobody did. So don't worry. Yeah. yeah he's in John Carter of Mars. Oh, it is. Okay. Battleship. So it is. This is Riggins. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cool. Great. You'll have to come back From for Friday our yes. Friday Night Lights rewatch podcast yeah. that we do eventually. I watched that entire show last year. Yeah. So maybe it'll be a while before we do that. I love that show. I have done that recently as well, probably in the past six months. I just go through a phase where I'm like, hmm, really stressed out. Need <laughs> yeah. to watch something comfortable like and like old and familiar that is also mentally stimulating. And mm-hmm. Friday Night Lights tends to be that. So, yeah. Um, great. Well, I guess this thing premieres on Sunday. Yeah. Do you guys we're, have any other thoughts? We're down to the wire here on our reactions. Thoughts? Um, or... yeah, I don't know. Are there any other things that you guys, on this on the season one side of things, anything else that that you guys found interesting about the show or or unusual? Uh, I think I think on its face, I'm probably done. But I'm sure that I mean, it's just inevitable. Even though season two is different, we're going to be talking about season one over the course of season two, just in terms of mm-hmm. well, especially if we don't like season two as much as we like season one, it feels like building those comparisons might be a little. It's too hard to not do even if that makes sense yeah although we we'll should try probably, not to do that we should, yeah, we should probably try not to like constantly harp on to, that because yeah. because that that gets obnoxious but like we are going to go back to 
after season two, our intention currently is to go back and do a season one rewatch. And that'll be weird. Rewatching season one oh, yeah. in the context of a an un essentially unrelated season two right. plot wise anyway. Yeah. There's so many. One one, one last thing just to wrap it up is there's so many just sort of like 30 second snapshots of like that I had like little like basically not even 30 seconds, but like vines I have in my brain. And by vine, I mean like the like the six six second second format of like that you can use big videos on Twitter um, of season one that I find really enjoyable to like replay and think Mm, about in your mind. Yeah, just like even just. Things that were plot-wise not that exciting. A mind vine, my Sherlock Holmes mind vine. Yeah, um, yeah, and I hope I hope season two like yields some of those. That would be mm-hmm. really cool mm-hmm. if I can get those along with like the sense of like really like particular my, and peculiar in- place. I'll be happy. It's always impossible to know stuff like this, but my instinct about season one is that a higher percentage of that stuff was on the page. Like I think a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff came probably from from Pizzolatto, the writer. Be- I agree before with that. Yeah. it was shot because yeah. it's so considered. I mean, like there are things, um, not that the director wouldn't be fully aware of this stuff as well, but they seed, you know, in season one, the I, stuff that doesn't end up being relevant until, you know, basically the end of the series is seeded in just brief shots and brief lingering moments, like very, very early mm-hmm. in the series. Um, and there's something about that that is, a thing actually I really liked about season one also is is how slow and deliberate and lingering the show is in general because it means that they can seed in all these things like a shot of the – like that scene with the guy on his lawnmower, like mm-hmm. a shot of the house that is repainted that ends up being the break in the case. Like mm-hmm. all that stuff is, is, is actually all thrown in there early but – not it doesn't hit you over the head with it because the show is also taking its time with everything else. Mm-hmm. So there's just this like very thoughtful overall attitude of just dwelling in the environment and all of these little bits and pieces that I think probably contributes to the kind of thing you're talking about of like yeah. these little clips that you think about. And I, I feel like the eight episode format really like I think it's eight, right? It is eight. Yeah. Yeah. Really behooves that in that yes. if you're a writer director or just, you know, a writer you know how long your runway is, mm-hmm. which I think is like really good. Yes. You know, I think I, you don't get that in a series that's going to have to get re-upped and renewed and yes. have the same cast next season because well, you just don't know how long you have to tell your story. Right. Especially in a format like this, it would be impossible to do something like this where there's actually three different timelines all happening simultaneously. That I really appreciated on the second the second walk, uh, watch through because I knew everything was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't concerned with like the mystery qua mystery, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the way all the pieces are fitting together already knowing where they're going to end up. Right. Uh, and I really, really, I really appreciated the parallel timelines and how deliberately that stuff was all paced and how it fed into each other. Oh, God, it was, it was really so well good. Yeah. And the, you know what? Like, sorry, Jake, I know you're about to say something, but just to one last thing is I am still shocked by the parallel timelines and the representation of Matthew McConaughey in both of them. Yeah. Just in, <laughs> visually as yeah. an, like, holy shit balls. Like, it yeah. does not. Is that all makeup? I guess it is, right? He sounds like, just based on what I know about that guy, especially in his current iteration mm-hmm. of himself as an actor, he seems like the type who would also just go for it. But and, you'd have like, to shoot it himself. Like you'd have well, to I'm sure they did. They split it all it, apart. Yeah. But they can because it was yeah, only an eight can. episode season yeah. that they made. Exactly right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So there's there's like a couple things. First, just Chris, what you were talking about about the sort of deliberate 
uh, like visual foreshadowing and stuff. That's a thing that I think is like it's such a like a cheesy, almost like just tangible line item. So I don't like saying it's a thing that I like. But man, I love mystery stories in particular, or sort of just like stories where the plot is inevitably important that that are confident enough to do that sort of thing. Like yeah. uh, the the film adaptation of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is another oh, good yeah. example of that that we talk about all the time. Yeah. Where just a thing that appears to be an innocuous like. It's already the hallmark to me of, of a, a good sort of confident paced director in, in stories like this. If they're willing to just have establishing shots and have breathing time in the movie or in the TV show that can sort of speak for themselves. But then when those are not just there for tone but are secretly basically clues, mm-hmm. I'm always destroyed. And hearing all the stuff that we're talking about right now that we liked about season one and thinking about the way they were able to accomplish that, I am now ten times more antsy and nervous than I was even just earlier in this podcast thinking about the fact that season two has different directors because like you can't do you can't operate at the meta level or that the sort of cross episode season wide level that the the first season of true detective operated at if you're actually splitting up your crews including your director from week to week because it feels like season one must have been shot incredibly non-sequentially like just as an as a eight-hour film, basically, and then edited together into eight weeks. Um, whereas if you're changing directors once a week, um, unless they're also shooting non-sequentially and all the directors are on at once, which I, I've heard from people, that's how they shot House of Cards on HBO. I've talked about that before. That, like, changed my perception. Of you talk about Netflix, how, not HBO, but yeah. I mean, on, uh, on, a, on Netflix, yeah, House of Cards. It was apparently shot basically like one giant production with a stable of directors. Right. Um, but it's... It makes me really curious how they, they're actually producing this season. And I guess we'll figure that out as the season is unrolling because I'm I, sure there's going to be a bunch of writing about it. Yeah. I wonder um, – I would be curious to see – and I you know, I, I, I should have, I guess, tried to, to research this myself, but it didn't occur to me until now really. I wonder how strong of – I'm sure Nick Pizzolatto is a, is a relatively strong showrunner. When I say strong, I mean in terms of amount of control both like – thematic and just logistical and practical control he exerts over the production. And I wonder if he, based on the success of season one, is given even more leeway that a non-director writer would typically typically be given in this kind of, of situation. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting because like True Detective was the first thing he'd ever done. Well, like, he wrote a lot of stories, but yeah, but I mean, screen. in terms of being on, like, in terms of managing a production, yes, yeah, and telling, like, yes. getting the story off the page and into right. your television, yes, yeah, um, which is sh- shocking, yeah, yeah. And I, th- I mean, I think that must have been, you know, that Gambit clearly paid off for HBO, and so I, that probably buys him a lot of uh, mm-hmm. credibility, I suspect. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, this uh, it sounds like we are both excited, slightly nervous questioning about season two i don't know (laughs) um we all loved season one clearly um we just have two days until uh until all will be revealed (laughs) yeah right some will be revealed one eighth will be revealed Mm -hmm. so uh yeah um if you haven't already um please uh subscribe to we are on itunes on itunes yes it would be great yes tell your friends um to do so mm-hmm. uh yeah and our, our if you website, have questions yes sorry, go ahead. oh yeah i was just gonna say in terms of telling your friends signing up for itunes rss all that our website is truedetectiveweekly.com it has all of it has our rss uh, subscription link it has our itunes page um our email address 
is questions at truedetectiveweekly.com. Um, we, if you, if you don't know, uh, we have done multiple other television show rewatches and follow along kind of recap shows on our network, which is, you can find all of our shows at idlethumbs.net. And the way we generally do this is we, you know, people email us their thoughts or questions about a given episode after it airs. And then, you know, we will, we will consider and respond to some of those on the episode. So after the season two premiere, uh, if you have any sort of observations or things you want us to discuss or, or, or what have you, uh, you can send those in to questions at true at truedetectiveweekly.com. Uh, and that's always really fun. You can also talk about the show and the podcast with other listeners and watchers at our forums. If you go to truedetectiveweekly.com, click the forums link. There is a sub forum specifically for this show, True Detective Weekly, and we will have every episode will have its own discussion thread. So you can um, have a good time in there. We had really great communities discussing uh, Twin Peaks and Mad Men, which are the previous two uh, TV show TV podcasts that we did. Yeah, if you have uh, eschewed leaving internet comments in your life because you're someone who like apparently likes TV because you're listening to this, discover this podcast and are like, Oh, I don't know if forums are for me. I would recommend checking them out because, uh, the community that is kind of gathered at idle thumbs is really like smart and affable and, uh, welcoming, welcoming and has a great sense of humor. And it's not your traditional like forum or comment community. Uh, you can actually have a real discussion with people about, things and laugh at jokes and not feel like you're an outsider or you're going to like step into a pile of poo. <laughs> yep. So yeah, check them out. Cool. Well, again, thanks. Thanks for listening. We'll next time we're back, it'll be to talk about the actual real premiere of the season. Uh, once again, our website is truedetectiveweekly.com. All of our information is there. Thanks for listening. See you guys. Bye, Bye Jake.